What's up, everyone? It's your host, Jonathan Watts, and on today's show, we had a very special guest who dropped a bunch of knowledge and gems for you guys today. He's a former coach of mine, a professional mental skills trainer, and former professional basketball player in the Philippines, Keith Jensen. He talked a lot about mindfulness, meditation, and its benefits in life and in sport and performance for all the athletes out there. And then he put us through about a 5-10 to minute mindfulness meditation practice that you guys are going to love. So stay tuned and hope you guys enjoy. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in today. We've got a very special guest with us, a former coach of mine who's had a profound impact on me, especially on the mental side of things. I know he's had a profound impact on many others all across the world. So I'm super excited to have him on. And before we dive deep into mental skills training, mindfulness meditation, I'm going to have him introduce himself a little bit, talk about his background, his journey, and how he got to where he is today. So, Coach, you can take it away from here. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, first of all. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit about my journey. Um, grew up in San Diego playing basketball, went to Ranch Bernardo High School, which is where uh, Jonathan also went, and I, I was able to coach him there. Uh, but played there, uh, played at NYU, and then played over in the Philippines and all over Asia for about five or six years. And and uh, when I first started over overseas in 2012, I was drafted to a team with the biggest following of any club team in Asia. So there, I was trending on Twitter. There's hundreds of thousands of fans watching me play. It was a big stage, and um, and I came out playing pretty well. But shortly into my rookie season, I'll be honest, it was more pressure than I than I had ever felt. And I didn't know how to respond to it and started overthinking a little bit, getting a little bit tight. Um, and I just wasn't playing as well. Pretty soon I was riding the bench. Shortly after that, I got traded to a team with no fans. I just dropped right out of the spotlight. And at the time it was devastating. You know, it felt like I had failed in front of the entire country. And it was so painful that I decided I had to figure out what was going on in my head that was holding myself back because my physical was there you know my body was there my skills were there but i i was just getting in my own way so i figured i had to figure that out so i started looking at the greats and i learned that michael jordan kobe bryant lebron james steph curry all these guys did one thing in common which is they practiced being present and they meditated so i started meditating and I started learning the habits of my mind and my body and my emotions and learning how to just be with whatever's present. And um, pretty soon I got into a rhythm. I was leading the league in three-point field goal percentage at 52%. And I worked my way back up to a top team. And when I saw how much it impacted my, my game and my life, I knew that I wanted to take this to other people, to the world, and and teach them these things. So um, since then, I went back to San Diego. I trained at the UCSD Center for Mindfulness to teach a course called MPEAK, which was originally developed for the U.S. Olympic BMX team. And 
brain scans showed it changed their brains to get them more focused and more resilient under pressure and it helped them win the gold. And so I took that course and I started tweaking it to be um, to fit for basketball players, um, high school, college, professional, even youth basketball players. And those principles I've seen, you know, in teaching those principles, I've seen the same results, less stress, more focus and resilience and better performance and happier people. And, um, and so I've been doing that for about seven years now. And I've, I've been, uh, had the privilege of working with some of the top athletes in, in the Philippines and, and, and overseas and, and, um, and just really feel, feel honored to do this, this work because I, I feel like I'm, I'm helping people in a, in a fundamental way. And so anyway, that's, that's how I, I got started into this and yeah, yeah. here I am. That's awesome. That's awesome to see the, uh, how it means so much to you. You feel like you're impacting people, which I think matters a lot to you, but also to the other people you're touching. Um, so we'll get right into it. You kind of mentioned a little bit about the meditation and mindfulness, and it's about being present. But for those that may not know what mindfulness meditation is and how it works, um, if you want to dive deep or cover the service level of it, of what it is and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say the difference between when you're present and when you're not is, um, you know, you'll notice when you start paying attention that sometimes we'll have thoughts and our attention will get swept up into the thoughts. And when that happens, we're not present, meaning we're not, our attention is not where our bodies are. And we can focus our attention in the present where our bodies are by focusing on the senses. So you could focus on feel, you know, whether that's a feeling inside of a body part, feeling your body breathing, um, hearing, listening to sounds, focusing on what you can see, smell, taste, or, or all of them. But when we focus on what's really here, where our bodies are, then our attention can be here and our, our mind has an opportunity to settle and slow down and, and be here with our bodies. And our bodies will have a tendency to settle into the present as well. Gotcha. That's cool. And I know a big part of it is focusing on the breath. Um, for those that may not, I've done this course. I've done coaches co- course and it had a profound impact on my life. I felt more energized, more focused, um, also felt more joy. So it was cool to see those effects actually happen. And I know a big part of it is focusing on the breath because it brings you back to that present moment. And for athletes out there, you see a lot of people before free throws or maybe before they play their game, you see them taking deep breaths because it allows them to focus on something um, and avoid the outside distraction, whether it's the crowd noise, people chanting at you, whatever it may be. So I know that's another big aspect of it. Absolutely, yeah. I mentioned the senses and the breath is a real common one and a popular one because for one, it's always happening. We're always breathing, so we can always, you know, anchor into the present moment with the breath. And then two, um, it's just it's just kind of natural to when we're feeling a lot of stress to take breaths. It's kind of an intuitive thing 
because um, it just sends such a strong physiological effect through the body to relax and calm down and, and open up our awareness. So, yeah. Definitely. So, um, you talked a little bit about how it can relieve stress. Um, you find more enjoyment in life. But are there other benefits when it comes to mental skills training, mindfulness meditation, um, specifically just on the performance side? Well, I think... I think the uh, maybe the the biggest opportunity in practicing mindfulness is um, when you start paying attention and being present to your thoughts as opposed to being swept up into them. Then you can start to learn your your patterns, and um, we all have habits of fearful thinking. You know, it's just part of being human. Our, our brains are wired to, um, to survive. And so it'll project things. What if this happens? You know, it'll, it'll you know, think about the past and, and things that are not happening here. And when we learn, when we start to learn our patterns of fearful thinking, then they don't trip us up so much. We can just be present to them and then recognize them when they come up and then allow them to be there and then move forward in a wiser way instead of reacting to them habitually. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and I'm guessing that can be attributed or converted over to life in general. So school relationships, um, your job, is that kind of the same thing there or does it affect it in a different way? Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, I mean, the same way that, for example, if you go to the free throw line and you always feel fear, fear you, you notice fearful thoughts about, oh, my God, if I miss this, my coach is going to pull me out and I'm going to be embarrassed or whatever, whatever. And then if you have developed the ability to just let those thoughts be there, breathe with them, come back to the present and shoot instead of letting them sweep you away. That's the same thing that you can do going into a test and you start feeling those same habitual fearful thoughts and then you notice them, let them be there and then refocus on being here, you know, or, or even talking to somebody that you love, for example. Um, if you're in your thoughts and you have the same ways of habitually relating to somebody, then um, you you might miss out on what's actually happening in the present moment, the, the real connection, which is only in the present moment. And it's something that can be felt. Right. And so if we live in our, our heads all day and we're not mindful of our thinking, then we miss out on what we can feel. And love, for example, is something that you feel is not a mental construct construct, you know? So, so yeah, it, it applies to everything in your life, personal relationships, trying to perform in any aspect, um, including sports, knowing your habits of, of thinking and um, getting tight from fear helps you to not be unconsciously swept up in them so that you can be present and choose your way forward. That's awesome. Have you seen any effects or impact um, meditation or the practice of it can have on sleep so say you meditate right before bed are there any at least have you noticed or studies found that it affects 
the quality or quantity of sleep beneficial? Yes, uh, definitely quality, uh, probably quantity. I'm, there's there's tons of research on uh, how it can affect your sleep and improve your sleep. And I've also personally found that uh, for me, when when I go through a day and there's lots of things that happen and there's some emotions that have been kicked up throughout the day and I don't always have time to sit there and feel everything and kind of unpack and process everything that happens in the, in the moment because I'm just do, 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 right? And uh, like if you look at the brain waves during the day when we're doing things, we're in a, like our brains are moving fast, right? Activities like high beta range. When we meditate, it goes down to an alpha range or maybe a gamma. And, and so doing that before sleep for me allows me to process those thoughts. My brain waves and my brain activity slows down. And then when I'm ready to sleep, I'm, I'm more of a blank slate. If I don't do that, I, that's when I find, um, you know, I'm just a little unsettled going to sleep. It's harder to fall asleep. Um, I, I tend to have more intense dreams because I'm processing in my sleep the, all of the emotions. I think so. Or of things that are happening because um, you're so distracted. Rather, rather than when you meditate, you're able to focus on the present moment and get rid of those distractions. So it's probably easier to fall asleep because you don't have those distractions in your head anymore. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Great. Um, so I know you work all levels of different ages when it comes to this mental skills training. Um, how do you get people to buy into it? Cause I know at the professional level, the elite athletes, the greats, they do it, but it seems as you get younger and younger, it's probably tougher to get people to buy into uh, mental skills training. Is it simply telling them this is what the greats do? And if you want to be great, it's going to, you got to do it. It's part of the game or how do you go about that? Yeah, that's a good question. It's been something that I've been, um, it's been like an enigma for me to figure out for, uh, for some years now. And, but what I've noticed is, yes, I use that kind of, it's kind of low hanging fruit, like yeah. the testimonials of the greatest hanging, greatest competitors of all time do it, you know? Um, so if you want to compete better and perform better, you know, follow their blueprint. But, but also I, what I've noticed is, when we actually practice it, pretty much everybody can intuit um, a shift in their their state of being, and can intuit that this is something that they they want that it feels good and that, that it can help. You know, so so what I found is the best way to um, to show people the benefit is to to guide somebody through it and and to for them to feel it. You know. Gotcha. Just do it once, see the benefits, and then they're going to want to come back for more probably. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, does it change with ages? Because obviously if you're working with younger kids, I've seen you work with kids. It looks like they were 8, 10 years old on, on your social media. How much tougher mm -hmm. is it getting them to focus? Because obviously their attention spans probably are a little bit less than older individuals, high school, college, professional athletes. Is that, is that a tougher challenge? And working with other athletes yeah it, it it's a good question it is true that uh you know not only um like 
age range, but also like where you're at in life in terms of like the situation you're at. For example, if I'm talking to a, a professional athlete who's in the playoffs and they're really like stressed out and they just need a way to calm down, then they're going to be more receptive to it for longer periods I've found. But like a kid who's just stepping on the court and just is ready to play, you know, wants to play, they're not going to be able to sit for 20 minutes, you know? So I got to cut. We it's, it's a, uh, it's wise to cut, cut it down for the kids in terms of time. Um, but, and also like when I'll lead for the kids, it'll be more tangible, um, easier, accessible guidance. For example, when I go with adults, um, I might start with, Notice if you can feel anything inside your feet. Can you feel your shoes on your feet? In the, you know, whatever. With kids, um, I'll typically start with like, um, can you feel the breath moving past your nostrils? You know, it's something that when you really focus, you, you can, but it's like not so abstract. Exactly. You know, so I got to keep it more concrete with the kids and in shorter time. Yeah. That makes sense. And then... Um I know with myself, with my meditation, I enjoy doing it in the morning. I think it's most beneficial for me because the day hasn't started. Um, I don't have many thoughts, many things I feel like I have to do. Once you get later in the day, you've done things, you may have some concerns. Are there ideal times to meditate, whether that's right in the morning or at night, or do you think it's more individualized based on practice and experience? Yeah, good question. I think um, right when you wake up in the morning is ideal for everybody i would say because as we're kind of waking up from those sleepy unconscious states and then you know if you as i started paying attention and it's probably true for most people we wake up and then it's like all of the drama and the story of our life and our situation starts kind of like pouring in and just kind of sweeps me up into this river of like Oh my God, man, tomorrow I got this going. And I wonder if that guy responded yet. And, and then all this stuff, you know, and if I allow myself to um, kind of get pulled into that river and start going and doing things, then I find that I get a lot uh, more tired, easy, easier, quicker. Um, and I, I have less of an ability to kind of pull back the perspective and see come from a, my life from a bird's eye view almost. Um, I get kind of swept up in this, in, into things. Um, but yeah, when we first wake up and our subconscious mind is still kind of bare and raw and open, um, it's a really good time also because you, you, you can start to see your patterns of thinking a little bit easier and create a little bit of space between you as the observer and, and what's happening. So mornings, absolutely a good time i think at night another really opportune time um and then i would say other than that it's kind of like up to the person i think personally um those transition periods where we're focused on something and then we're going to transition into something else maybe we're going to get into a car even just taking a few breaths in those moments and setting an intention can be powerful um, so yeah, the rest of it can be more personalized, but, uh, I think two staples morning and night. Gotcha. Makes total sense. 
Um, I want to go back. Something I forgot to ask with uh, practice of meditation and its benefits. I know that with injuries, a lot of it can be perceptual, mental. Um, do you know anything about incorporating mindfulness meditation and the effects or our perception on injury, if it can reduce the, the feeling of pain and in injury um, or get rid of it completely? That's a good question. I know there's a, there are studies on this as well, and I would like to look that up, but, um, but I know that it can reduce inflammation. Okay. You know, when, when our body is stressed out and we're, um, like when the injury first happens and we're freaking out, then a lot of blood is pumping through our, our system as our body starts to calm down and become more present and we become more still than the, you know, inflammation can reduce. Um, I, uh, let's see injury. I know that the patterns of thinking coming back from injury is often a huge hurdle for people. Um, you know, cause there's like, ah, I don't want to get re-injured and now I'm scared. I'm moving differently. So you can kind of start to retrain. You, you can be more aware of those, uh, traps or those potholes you can fall into if you will. Um, so, so that would help. And, um, and then I would say just paying attention to what's present can develop your proprioception so you can feel you can actually feel that the areas of your body that are that are injured and kind of coming back online you know so that off the top of my head those are the the ways that i would i see that i've seen it help me um but i know there's tons of research that supports other ways probably too super interesting um yeah so i know you mentioned you actually had a video on your instagram it really caught my eye in sports, especially at the professional level, we talk about clutch, this clutch gene. Um, and you said it was somewhat of a myth and you can actually train your mind to be clutch. And you use Jamal Murray as an example. So I was wondering if you could expand on that again um, and talk about how you can actually train your mind to be clutch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so um, in those moments where we need something to happen, uh, games riding on the line, we need to make a bucket. There's a tendency for us, there's more stress on the moment. There's more pressure for you to make it, right? And so you can, you can say there's more stress. And when we, um, so that stress can actually help us to perform. If you look at the correlation between stress and performance, you need a little bit of stress to stay engaged and focused and, and push you out of your comfort zone. That's where you can perform at your peak. But if you get overwhelmed with the stress, it starts working against you. You get tight, overthinking, um, you know, shortness of breath, all that, all that. So the trick that I've seen is understanding and feeling the pressure and the stress and then allowing it to be there. So uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel says, um, when there's stress, you can, there's a, a window of tolerance that you can be in where you can tolerate the stress and just allow it to be there and it doesn't hinder your performance. And then there's you know, 
hyper arousal where it's fight or flight or hypo arousal where it's um you shut down yes freeze right um so when you get overwhelmed you go into hyper or hypo arousal but you can you can practice expanding your window of tolerance and 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 tolerating the stress by being mindful of it you know and and I, i use this acronym um to help with in those moments um the skill is to be real with what's happening and the acronym is to recognize what's happening. Um, so, okay, I'm feeling stress. And then the trick is to stop and not react because that stress will make you want to react and, you know, maybe, you know, go too fast, you know, um, blame somebody fight, you know, uh, not want to avoid the situation, whatever. So recognize what's happening and pause. And once you start to pause, then you can start to explore what's actually happening. Okay, I'm feeling some pressure. So, you know, it's a clutch moment. I really want this to happen. I'm afraid that it won't. I'm afraid of blah, blah, blah. Okay, that, that is what it is. And once you, once you kind of explore it enough, then the trick is just to allow it to be there. And the more you understand it, the more you can allow it to be there. And, and it's not an allowing so that like, okay, I'm going to allow this so that it goes away because you can't trick your body. Like your body knows that you're doing it. So it's an allowing of like, okay, I'm not trying to change anything. I'm just going to let it be there. And once you've recognized, explored and allowed what's going on, then you can sense how to move forward in a loving way. Meaning, okay, maybe I give myself a little compassion. Maybe I just do my best and I'll live with the results. You know, what would be a loving way forward? So the acronym is to recognize, explore, allow, and then love. And when we can be real with our stress, then our window of tolerance can expand and we can be with those moments that are high pressure and high stress and just relax and and perform and do what we do. Now, Jamal Murray, he's been meditating since he was four years old with his dad. You know, his dad would put him in pressure situations growing up. Say, if you don't, if you don't make this free throw, then you're going to have to do X amount of push-ups in the snow, you know? And so pressure, and he'd be talking trash to him the whole time. And pretty soon, Jamal Murray just like said, that was nothing at a certain point because he was used to it. His window of tolerance expanded. So now when he gets into games and the the game's on the line and there's people talking trash and, you know, it's a make or break situation for his career, he can be with that. So we can all expand our window of tolerance by being real with, uh, with what's happening moment to moment, especially in those stressful situations. That's awesome. That's super cool. So, um, a couple of questions to end with some from some listeners. Um, how do you get out of a slump and focus on your mind to play better? So you're in a shooting slump. Um, we've all been there. Obviously, you were there. Um, mm-hmm. How do you go through that? Yeah. Great question. A slump. Well, I think, first of all, it would be um, being real with what's happening and just recognizing like, okay, like I am not 
I'm feeling X, Y, Z about how things have been going, you know, and not trying to resist it or scramble to change the slump or what, anything like that. Just like be where you are with it. Okay. I'm shooting. I, I'm ju I just got benched. It is what it is. Right. For me, when I, when I first got benched, I, I didn't have this, yeah. these skills. And so my first reaction was like, blame the coach. I can't believe this guy's playing in front of me. Blame him. Ah, this BS. I'm not even going to try. I'm, I'm, you know, I was reacting in all these ways. Um, so recognize it and, and just pause and, and not react. Okay. It is what it is right now. And then I would say, um, then I would say, be mindful of what's happening in these moments when, um, like when you're getting on the court, like what is, what is the story going on? Like, is it, I need to get out of this slump. Is it, Oh my God, this coach is going to bench me. If I keep you know, just, what's the story going on? Explore that what's happening. And then when it comes up, allow it to be there. Oh, there's that story again. And pretty soon you start to create a little distance between you and that thing that's holding you back, that story that's tightening you up or whatever. And then the la that last step, that L, like love, like what would love do in that moment? Would it berate you and like, oh my God, I need to figure this out right now. You know, my world is, you know, off tilt if, if I'm, no, it probably wouldn't. It's, it would probably, love would probably be like, hey, okay, just keep trying. Do your best. You know, like if sometimes when I think about that loving piece, it's like, what would a, um, a, a, a somebody that loved me unconditionally, like maybe like a grandparent or like a spiritual figure or whatever, um, somebody that I really trusted no matter what, has got my back and my best interest in mind. How would he speak to me in this moment or she? And it'd, it would be loving. It'd be compassionate. It's, okay, it's okay, man. You know, just, just do your best. Just try. You know, you can do this. You can do this. Something like that. And once you, once you find an affirmation or, or some words that kind of soothe you, then it, that's useful too. Because you get into those moments, you're like, oh, whew, I'm having a wave of fear right now. I, I know the story that's happening. I see that. I'm just going to let it be there. And I'm going to go to my affirmations. So it's okay. I, you know, I don't need to try too hard. I, I can do my best. No more, no less. And trust the rest. Whatever, whatever resonates for you. So, so those, that's how. Um, and then just be patient. You know, and that's what I would say. Gotcha. Perfect. Do you think that would be the same thing? Because the next question I had was, is how do you move on from a mistake during competitions, especially in basketball? It's a game of runs. Um, I think the great thing about it is you can make up for that mistake the next play, but a lot of people have trouble, especially if they turn the ball over a couple of times, moving on from that and getting that out of their mind and being present with this next play. Um, mm -hmm. you kind of approach in that same real or same way, understanding that real acronym, realize it and all that stuff. Yeah. Recognize, explore, allow love. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, um, I think a, a common trap that, you know, when, when somebody makes a mistake or things aren't going your way is to like, um, is to resist what's going on. That's, I think that's a, a common, uh, reaction, you know, like, like, you know, grit your teeth and like try harder type of reaction. Um, and I think 
I think what we can do is, and, and this is a big piece, is just like be present to the journey. You know, that includes the downs. Yes. Man, I just turned the ball over three times. I'm embarrassed as heck. Can I be with this right now? You know, I feel vulnerable. Can you be vulnerable? Can I be vulnerable right now and just actually feel embarrassed and feel like everyone's laughing at me? And what's can tough. I be with that? Yeah. That's super tough. Sorry. I said that's super, super Yeah. Super tough. But, you know, that's the only way that you're going to be real. And that's, you know, I, my, my friend, uh, Graham Betchart, he, he's number one mental skills coach in the, in the world. He's really good. He has a saying, victory goes to the vulnerable. You know, if, if you are willing and able to be vulnerable with yourself, even in those moments that are the most uncomfortable, if you can sit with it and, and be real with yourself in those moments, then those are the people that eventually get, get victory, you know? So, so yeah, you make a mistake. Okay, I can be with this too. And then once when you when you approach it with that kind of like it's like a curious, kind, allowing um, perspective on what's happening. Oh wow, this is this is hard. <laughs> this I feel blah blah blah. If you can just be with that, then what happens is you you actually it actually starts to move through you like the energy and the feelings and emotions allow you allow it to move through you and then you can move forward without holding on to it you know um but if you resist it and like ah that, i'm just gonna you know and pretend it's not there or anything like that it stays with you you know so so i would say feel it and in in short feel it feel it feel what's happening moment to moment awesome and then last thing is for individuals who obviously may not have access to a skills a mental skills coach to these practices. Um, I know there's a lot of apps out there that you can use. Is there any advice for people trying to get started on this? Cause I know with me, when you first do it, it's very tough cause you're so distracted, your thoughts are all over the place. And sometimes you have doubt of whether this is going to work. So do you have mm -hmm. any advice for newbies into this, um, when it comes to starting their own practice? Yeah, no, I'm glad that you, that's a great question. I'm glad that you mentioned, um, how in the beginning it can be discouraging um, because we, th we have a tendency to think so much. And one huge piece of advice I would say is don't get discouraged by that because our, that's just how our brains work. Our brains think just like our lungs breathe. That's what they do. And even the most trained, skilled, experienced meditators still have thoughts, you know, um, the difference is they're able to be more present to the thoughts as opposed to being swept up and going unconscious into the thinking realm. But um, don't get discouraged by having thoughts. That's huge. Um, I would say um, explore. You know, don't take my, my word for it. Don't take... Um, Graham Bechard, George Mumford, you know, he was the mental skills coach for Michael Jordan, Kobe. He always used to say, see for yourself. Don't take anybody else's word for it. See for yourself and explore. There's lots of, um, you know, apps, like you said, Headspace, Calm, all these, all these things that you can try. Um, what I do 
with Mental Skills Dojo is a little bit different because, um, as you know, I, I go through, I'll give the meditations, but I'll also um, give a video to contextualize like how it applies to high performers. And then I'll also have like one-on-one coaching. So it's more of like a, a handheld like program. So, um, and, and anybody interested, I, I'm, I'm here to, to help. Um, but if you don't have access to that or, or means to any of that stuff, I've learned the most um, wisdom from stillness and silence. So just taking some time to just be still and just be real with what's happening, what, what's going on in my head and just breathe with yeah. it, you know? So, yeah. And I think another advice I would give at least going through this is start with shorter meditations first, um, mm-hmm. five, seven minutes, 10 minutes, and then slowly increase. Cause obviously we're doing something where we are focused on the moment and on the present for longer than we usually are. So those thoughts will come up. So that's my advice is at least start slow, take some shorter meditations and then you can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. That's, that's really good. And, and, you know, it's different maybe for some people, um, short would be a minute or five breaths. Maybe just start there, you know, so start wherever it's accessible. This isn't another thing to, to do. It's not like a, you know, okay, I got to check this one off my, my list. And then I got to accomplish this. It's not like that. It's actually the opposite. It's an undoing of that. It's, it's a sitting and being receptive instead of doing so. Um, so it's, it's different and start where you're at. Awesome. And then, so that's all I have. And then if you could, um, put us through maybe a five to 10 minute mindful meditation practice, um, for the listeners out there, if, if that'd be possible. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. So for this one, um, go ahead and sit up straight. And find a position where you're, you're able to be focused and alert, but also relaxed and at ease. And you might start by just noticing what it feels like to be still. Notice what it feels like to be you right now with your particular mind and your particular body in this moment. And sometimes we might notice some habitual clenching or tightness in our muscles. Sometimes around our eyes will tighten. So just softening around the eyes softening the forehead, noticing any sensations in the face, soft jaw, soft tongue. And see if you can feel the air moving past your nostrils.
And you might scan your awareness down into your shoulders. And if you can soften the shoulders and drop them a little, do that. But let them do that in their own time. You might become aware of the weight and the length of the arms. And then feeling into the hands. And notice if you soften in the hands, can you feel any sensations inside the hands? In the same way our awareness can fill our hands, our awareness can fill our chest. So just noticing maybe the slight movement of breath in the chest. Noticing the belly expanding and softening. And you might notice the pressure of the seat underneath you, points of contact between your body and the seat. And the weight of the legs. And then bringing your awareness all the way down into your feet Maybe noticing warmth from shoes or socks, the pressure of the ground. Maybe softening in the feet and noticing any sensations you can feel. And becoming aware of the feet and also the legs, your entire lower body, and also the belly and the rib cage, the chest, the torso. And the arms and the hands. in the face, in the head. Aware of the entire body. Sitting here, breathing itself. And in this moment, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to figure out. Nowhere to be. Just resting here, feeling the body breathing.
And before long, you might notice that your attention has been swept up into a thought. That happens, that's normal. Then the practice becomes recognizing the thought and then opening up again to this breath that you've never experienced before. Or maybe listening to these sounds right here. Just being present, breathing, and letting everything be just as it is. close this practice by bringing our attention to the area of the heart as if we can breathe in and out of the heart and while keeping our attention here we might drop a question into the heart like a pebble in a pond just wait and see what happens. You might ask, what is a good intention for me as I move through the rest of my day? A reminder of what's really important to you. Maybe it's a word or a phrase that reminds you of how you can be the best version of you, just waiting. And whenever you feel complete in your own time, might end with a deeper than normal breath. Slowly open your eyes and include in your awareness what you can see. Still meditative and still aware of your intention.
Perfect. Um, well, that's obviously all we have. Thank you for everything. Um, appreciate it. I'm sure everyone's going to love it. Is there anywhere on social media that people can reach out um, if they have any questions or they're more interested in this? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Mental Skills Dojo um, on Instagram uh, and also TikTok, Mental Skills Dojo. Um, and if you go to mentalskillsdojo.com, you can reach me there as well. And that is a wrap for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you have any questions for Keith, as he mentioned, you can reach out to him on Instagram. And if you have any questions for me, please reach out at Coach Double Underscore Watts on IG. We will do it again next week. Stay safe out there. Stay positive. Find some gratitude in your life. Peace.